1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. 971 FM
2: Talk Podcast. You're listening to Ride At Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horris. Good Saturday afternoon, and welcome to Ride at Home with Rich. It's me, your host, Rich Orris. Today, I thought we could cover some best practices for remodeling your home, whether you're adding on, finishing your basement, remodeling your kitchen, bathroom, or doing some simple updates. You know, there's good, better, best practices when building that we can talk about starting from the foundation all the way up to the roof. We can cover all the subjects today and just really get you in a good plan, to build some good things when you're fixing your home, home all up. So stay right here because we plan to cover all of that. And of course, I'll have my On the Road with Rich and my hack segments throughout the show. Stick around for all of those as well. And with me today is my partner here, Todd Bachman, just to kind of jump in, ask some questions, you know, see what we think about some stuff. So how you doing today, Todd? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Rich. Hey, so I thought we could start out kind of like you build from the ground up, whether it's a house or an addition or whatever, you know, let's start with the foundation and kind of the history of the foundation. And, you know, when you think about the importance of the foundation, even just the word, you know, foundation, what comes to mind, you know, starting a relationship, morals, you know people's characters. What what is a foundation? Well, in, in home repair industry, it basically holds your house up, right? It's responsible for bearing the entire weight of the structure and keep your family safe, put together, everything stable. So it's really the most important thing, you know, in a home, really. Um, so when you think about it, you know, concrete. Starting to use concrete um, for foundations. Well, the Romans, you know, they were some of the first people to actually use, you know, concrete for to build large structures like that. Big, you know, concrete and stones. So we've been doing this for hundreds of years. Um, we kind of got away from it and and tried to simple things and and you know. We use dirt. We use cinder blocks. We use you know all these other different things, and and then all of a sudden we come back to regular poured concrete foundation. You know, um, getting back into it really after World War II. You know, it was like the big housing boom. And it really led to the development of concrete foundations. The process ended up being faster. You know, as pouring the concrete in slab form was much more time efficient and cost effective back then, you know, to to get your floors and your foundations and stuff that way. Um, Then as technology kind of advanced, you know, to a point, we really started looking at, you know, deep foundations, holes, you know, dug very deep. Um, really started to result in larger buildings. It can hold up more, you know, eventually leading to skyscrapers and all these other, you know, large buildings and everything. Um, it just basically allows for more stability. So the deeper you go, how you put it together and all of that, just really the whole house depends and relies upon this. Um, and it kind of brings me into my on the road with Rich segment because. So, I had a client that I was visiting. We were talking about a garage addition. They had their question, you know, for me was, are you going to put a rock base underneath the concrete footings? And of course, you know, the quick answer is nope, it's not required in our area. Um, when you get to undisturbed soil, all of that. You've got the right soil. There's there's really no need for it whatsoever. The real answer is only if we find during the construction that we need to. You know, so the requirements here, you get, you know, below the frost line, you get to undisturbed soil, and it's going to hold your home up. It's going to work perfectly fine. The catch comes in if you find backfill, if you find bad soils, then all of a sudden, yes, there's more to do for that structure. You, you, you end up needing to bring in an engineer, like a soils engineer, that can test and recommend really what needs to happen. How, how deep do you have to dig to get away from those soils? How much rock do you have to put in? You know, But I, I tell everybody, in over 20 years, you know, almost 30 years of building things like this, I've really probably run into maybe three different jobs where um, we really ran into some bad soils. Clayton with clay stuff, just unstable soil. Um, a job we built out in Clayton, we had to literally end up digging down. Oh gosh, it was like four or five extra feet. It's a lot. Um, oh, it was deep. And, and putting all this compacted rock in, you had to. You know, the engineers came up with this stuff. You had to pack it at each level, and then they come in, and they do what's called a compaction test. And they can go, okay, yeah, this base and this rock is going to hold this up. Um, That was costly. It doesn't need to happen on every project. And, honestly, you don't necessarily know until you get down there. It's, you know, it's without proper testing and a bunch of different testing, And in most places, even the testing isn't really necessary because it's going to be fine. 99% of the time, you're probably going to be fine. But, you know, as we continue to build, as we move up from now we have this put in well, great foundation, everything's going to hold up well, everything's stable, right? So, Let's look at framing practices um, because that has changed so much over the years. Um, You know, we started with brick, block, plaster, exterior walls, um, and then with wood framing on the interior walls. So you end up with this really super sturdy, stable house, right? It's Mm -hmm. great. Um, They basically, you know, Call us the brick city. You know, we're kind of where Clayton came about is clay in the ground. We make bricks. So it made sense for St. Louis back in the day to be built with bricks. It just did. Um, Did you know, Todd, that um, by the 1800s, we had more than 53 clay mines scattered across our city? I did not know that. 53 that is a lot <laughs> yeah so it's a lot full masonry plaster you know it totally makes sense but when you build with that what happens you know it conducts temperature very well it leaks air outside air is literally how we stay healthy inside our homes you you want them to leak or exchange air to a certain point just to be healthy but not too much. So we started building chimneys and we developed, you know, cooking with gas and heat and electricity to see at night. So all these things start happening and all these advancements come in, you know, with this. But we have a house that really, it's hard to keep it comfortable. Yeah, You know, it it, it just is. When it's super hot or super cold, it's just really hard to keep it comfortable. So insulation, all these things, you know, start to... Start to come into play on how do you build efficiently, effectively, and keep it comfortable. So eventually, wood just became more cost effective. It was quicker to build. Um, so we created roof trusses. Um, you know, the labor be- as it became more costly, which is kind of what's happening right now with, you know, labor shortages, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Labor is becoming very costly. So we're constantly looking up. Ways to, you know, speed up production, to, to get rid of some of that labor in order to make things affordable. Um, so we ended up with wood around. We started adding insulation in the walls. Um, metal windows, you know, were in play back then. Really another, you know, another conductor that just makes things cold or hot. You know, you have metal window frames, um, aluminum, so aluminum cans. Mm-hmm. They, they just conduct. They conduct, a, you know, metal conducts just like the concrete does. Yeah. So that's why they use that and to keep your soda or your beer cold, things like that. Um, so when we looked into the framing of all of this and started developing these wood methods – You know, we really turned into um, larger timbers, um, different wood joiners. Um, We started using what we called balloon framing, Mm -hmm. Um, smaller, lighter boards. You got two stories in a board with less separation, all of that. That seemed to be working really well to speed up and make it easier. But then again, all of a sudden – you know, that's, we started to learn about stack effects. Um, that's how fire spreads. So you have a two-story wall with no breaks in between it. A fire starts on the first floor, second floor is under, roof's under, and no time. These houses burn out right very quickly. That's where fire stops started coming into play. And it's like, oh, wait, wow. You know, that caught on fire and it was gone in minutes. Like, we need to think about this. So we're constantly changing and learning and, you know, seeing what do we have to do to make these things better, make them tighter, make them more energy efficient. Um, we started installing plastic over the interior of these wood framed walls behind the drywall. Um, all of a sudden now we're learning about condensation, moisture, <laughs> mold. We're like, Whoa. What happened there, you know, so we can get into a little bit more of that with the drywall. But the point is, we're still learning. You know, we're developing scientific methods that make these wood frame homes better, safer, healthier. We have blower door tests that can show us all the pitfalls in a home and and how to improve them. Um, So, you know, how to build in St. Louis when you look at, you know, the foundation controlling water, controlling moisture from outside, vapor barriers um, underneath the floor, moisture barriers on the outside of the wall, drainage—you know—wall water planes. Um, all of these things to make everything just work better and last longer, and and really stay together. Um, It is so important, retaining walls with drainage at the bottom, you know, proper rock base like we were talking about underneath your concrete floors, behind your your retaining walls um, or blocks, you know, concrete blocks, all of that stuff. It's so important, you know, how those things came together. And then in the framing, yep, we ended up with, you know, fire blocking, bracing. Thicker walls, two by six walls, we're starting to go to in a lot of areas for, you know, new homes or room additions, all of that, and it's not because it's a better framing method; it's because it's a better in- insulation method. Hmm. It literally adds to that insulation layer as our temperatures change, as things, you know, storms change, winds change, rain, snow, the temperatures. We need to start changing what we do and what we build, you know, to to keep these things working and together. You know, I've said for years, um, Mother Nature is is she's out to win. She will pretty much eventually always win. Yeah. You know, she she'll get what she wants, one way or another. You may be able to hold back and battle it. For 50 or 100 years, but then when she comes through with that hurricane or that tornado or that, you know, it is absolutely going to happen. It's like the rain we saw just this past week, you know, with... Oh, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, flooding, flash flooding, houses with the basement, absolutely six inches of water on a first floor, you know? Right. Mother nature is out to return us, you know, ashes to ashes, dust Dust to dust. dust. She is going to, that's her goal. And we have to try and manipulate and build these things to last in a way that, you know, it's going to work and we're not going to have as many issues or we can battle things as, as best we can. So we're going to continue all of that. And um, I think we're going to get into our first break here. We can, after that, We'll start looking at, you know, from the outside in, some sheeting, some siding, some flashing. What's worked and what's changed in all of that? How do we keep the house, you know, dry, safe, waterproof, airproof? And then I also want to get into what happens once we make it that tight. How do we correct that? Because now we need that air and that's not good. You know, we we got to make sure we maintain all of that. So we'll get into all of that and more. Plus, My hack, you don't want to miss that right after these messages will return.
1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
3: selling a little or a lot.
2: All right, guys, welcome back to Right at Home with Rich. We got my hack right now. And you know what kind of brought this up was just the heat going on, the summer heat. How's that felt, Todd? Unbearable. I I don't know. I don't have any statistics to back
3: this up, but I feel like this has to be one of the hottest summers in recent years for sure.
2: Absolutely. There is no question. It has been so hot. So I kind of started to think about, okay, how do you take care of your air conditioner in this crazy summer heat, when it gets, you know, completely this hot, what do I do during the excessive summer heat? So for starters, of course, the first piece of quick advice is schedule your annual tune-up in the spring every year. Let them come out, manage it, make sure it's right. But now that we're here and we're looking for what to do because of the bad heat and everything, another thing is Change the air filter, limiting the airflow with a dirty filter is hard on your unit. It just is. Um, Clean, just like St. Louis, scrubby Dutch. We're clean freaks, right? Clean the return air, grills, ducts, anything you can get to. Limit the dust and dirt that actually gets to that filter. So check all of those those covers and everything. Um, the pipe insulation around your air conditioning line that goes from your furnace to outside. You know if it's torn, if it's disintegrated, that insulation can it can impact how well that cools. Um, so making sure that's replaced, new, in working order. And then the last thing is just, you know, try and give your system a break. Do some things that would help it out. Get a smart thermostat. Um, Close your drapes when it's really on the sunny side of the house. Um, Seal air leaks. Um, Constantly running your ceiling fans on low. Keep the airflow moving. It just helps. Keep the home cool. Keep the air moving. It's just a great energy efficient thing to do. And it'll just help your unit not work as hard all day during the day. So remember, guys, you can just search Rich Oris Mosby on Facebook to hear all these hacks every week. I'll have a different one for you. And so getting back to how we're going to build, doing some best practices, and really, you know, what are some of the greatest things to do when we look at the outside of the house, when we look at the plywood, the sheeting, what we're putting on the outside of the house. I'm sure you've heard this at least a thousand times, right, Todd, about house wrap, drainage planes. Oh, yeah. Protect the house from the outside. There's specific things that we do to really make this dried in, breathable, but stop air infiltration. But now we have some of these newer products that are coming about for new construction building. We've got this newer zip wall system. Basically, the wrap is already applied to that exterior wood sheeting. It's a a film on the outside of it, Mm -hmm. covers it up. You know, it is great. Um, They have to flash tape and do all these things. It, It can work well, but I'm telling you right now, it requires some super proper installation. You know, when we put house wrap on a house, we can watch, you know, use some button caps that won't let the nails go in too far. We can, you know, lap things so that they're kind of like your roof shingles. One's over top of the other. So if water's running down, it stays on top of the surface and doesn't get behind it. Um, In this newer system, when you flash tape, There's nothing to go over top of that flash tape. When water runs down, it's going to get right to the top edge of that flash tape. So even if you use the good stuff like they are, you have to roll it with a roller. You have to have the right temperature when you put it on. You can't drive the nails too deep. I'm telling you, I've looked at so many new construction houses out there that I've stopped by. They're using nail guns and they're pounding these nails in. They're going in through that membrane. So if you get water running down, it's going to start coming in through these nail holes. You know, if the flashing tape's wrinkled and warped and there's open spaces, and I've literally, I've got photos, I've seen this stuff. It can just start coming in. I've actually looked at and worked on houses with this where, There's just not a really great proper way to lap this stuff. So when it fails, it just fails. Mm -hmm. Um, The youngest one I saw, Todd, was less than a year old. It was actually still under the warranty of the builder. Mm. So they've got this crazy leak. It's because of the roof line and the design and how it hits the side of a second story wall. and And that's where most of this stuff always happens. so i'm I'm kind of looking at it, and I'm showing how I can you know do some tapes and lap my house wrap. And basically, I'm suggesting that we put house wrap over top of this system and work it in with the flashings and everything, and it's gonna stop this leak, and I'm gonna give you a 10-year workmanship warranty that it won't leak again. And, of course, it's still under warranty. She's arguing this stuff with the builder, and he's coming back to me saying that, you know, that system's actually better. It's a better system, it works better, it lasts better, You know, then the the house wrap system and everything, and, and, you know, I'm kind of just saying, well, that's, you know, you can think that, but obviously the way that it's applied wasn't proper. They're getting water in the house. As a matter of fact, when when I looked at the house and everything, I forgot to get a measurement on a wall. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went to Google Earth because Google Earth is like a great friend, right? Right. It's a great tool. Oh, yeah. They got a measuring tool on there. It's not going to be like completely accurate, but if it says 40 feet, you're going to be within the realm by a foot or two. And I go to the address on Google Earth and the house is so new, the house isn't even there. It's a hole in the ground. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I can't measure the wall. Darn, I got to drive out there to find out how big this is, you know. Uh, That's how new this house was. So... Those systems are good. They can be done well. They can be done right. It just takes a lot. And you got to really watch the people and totally make sure that they're doing it, you know, that they're going to leak protection, all that stuff. So when we do the house wrap, we can put in Z flashing and, you know, we can lap the house wrap over top of things to keep the water that gets back there on top of that drainage plane system it's really great it works really well so then once you get on top of that you know and your house is dried in you got nothing to worry about you don't even have siding on yet now you can go to whatever you want you know the exterior the exterior can be cement siding it can be vinyl siding It can be the LP smart side, stucco, brick, stone. You put whatever you want on there. You flash where all these intersections come, and you've got yourself a great looking house. And your true protection is underneath that home. So now, when you poke through that wall, when you're coming through that, you know, your windows, your doors, Obviously, so much has changed on all of that with ENERGY STAR ratings. Um, Stopping water and air infiltration. How do you flash that window or that door? What type of insulation do you use, like a low expansion foam around it? How do you insulate that properly? There's so many things that come into play with that. Um, New construction style windows with nail fins even when you replace your windows is key. If you have any type of vinyl siding, basically anything other than stone or brick, you can take it off the house and you can put it back and you can wrap and flash and put in a window that will not leak whatsoever. It will stop air infiltration. Um, It's the perfect way in a perfect world to do everything. And nobody does that with replacement windows. They cut these windows out. They rip out the nailing fins, and then they put in a pocket-style fit Mm -hmm. window. There's no protection. They caulk it, and boom, off you go. They think caulk is the best thing. Well, (laughs) let's go back to that history when they used to build homes and caulk didn't exist. Yeah. When they built them with big leaves. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, how did they do that? Well, they lapped the leaves in a manner that when water hit the first leaf, as it ran down, it stayed on top of each leaf until it got to the outside. They didn't caulk the leaves together. You know, they didn't do anything like that. So if you've got somebody going to your siding to fix a leak, going to your roof to fix a leak, and they've got tar or caulk, they're probably not fixing it correctly because neither of them need that, you know, for an actual leak it just doesn't Um, but getting into you know now you've got some kind of siding on there and it's perfect and it's flashed and that's working great your windows and doors are in how do you insulate you know what are the best ways to seal framing you want to seal it as much as you can Um, you've got different types of insulation fiberglass cellulose Um, foam is great for you it's the best one out there for air sealing when we do around windows the low expansion foam it's amazing not putting the foam in all the way doing it towards the front edge like watching how far you actually stick the nozzle in there if the foam actually touches the back of the window nailing fin it is not insulated as well as if you leave it away and you leave an airspace. So imagine like a piece of glass. It's mm-hmm. three eighths inch thick. It's got some gas in the middle of it. Well, air that doesn't move is the best insulator there is. Right. So if you do the foam around the inside of the window and you leave an airspace and you've got it flashed and flash taped and you've blocked air infiltration, that is the best way to absolutely insulate around that door or window. Um Getting into the attic, we went from R38 to R49. It's a new change in the past few years of everything's changing around our house. Like I was talking about, the 2x4 walls went to 2x6 for better insulation. You know, foaming around the band boards of your house to stop air infiltration means absolutely so much. It's amazing what it can do for the comfort and the temperature, you know, inside of your home. And what it can change. So the, the, the theory is now build it tight, ventilate it right. That's the best practice. So you got to look at thinking about how do you get fresh air? How do you ventilate this? How do you make this work? Um, I've got a great story I want to bring up about the insulation and the foam and the band board and some of those things that we do Um, So we're going to get into our second break here in a minute, and when we return, I want to talk about another client with the importance of that, and I also want to get into some of the other HVAC, how do we make this ventilate and breathe and work properly. So we'll be right back after this.
3: is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich, and now here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys, we are back in final segment here. We're we're talking about you know best practices, scientific methods, the the best things to do for remodeling and building your home and how to get a lot of this stuff right. But I did want to just remind everybody that, you know, this is what we do here at Mosby Building Arts. I come out, I look at things. There's plenty of us that do that. We do everything inside and outside. So, if you're looking for any information on something like this, if you would like to hear about some of these best practices, how we could help you out with your project specifically, just give us a call 314-909-1800, or you could check us out online at callmosby.com, and you'll find all sorts of great photos and information and everything. You can even have a conversation and, and set a meeting with us online you can do everything right there and again if you're in the industry you know working with mosby i've been here almost 21 years now i absolutely love it you know if you would like to find a place to work in the remodeling industry that's efficient knowledgeable has quality craftsmanship i mean all of this is the utmost importance for everybody Come in, check us out, apply. You can apply online. You can find all this stuff out. I'm telling you, we do everything, and we're looking for every type of worker out there, no matter what you do, kitchens, bathrooms, siding. Come in, have a conversation with us. You will absolutely love being here. And I'm going to do another, almost like a quick on the road thing again, Todd, because I had a client years ago, and we were talking about the insulation and the best ways to do it, and, you know, specifically insulating band boards around your house, in your basement. So much air leaks into your basement around the windows and the band boards. And I had a client that we had done a couple jobs for, and they they had me come out, and they were like, well, we've been talking to a couple people about, putting in a heated floor in our kitchen. And I'm like, Oh, really? Like a warm floor. Like that's comfortable. That's, you know, awesome. We do more in bathrooms than kitchens really, but you know, that, that's, that's probably a great idea. And I'm said, well, so I guess I'd ask why are you interested in the heated floor? What are you, you just, you know, what are you trying to achieve? You looking just for comfort and they're like, well, it's, you know, it gets cold in this portion of the house and the floor is always cold and going and I'm like okay I'm like well you know a heated floor is like a warm floor it's like a warm to the touch it does not heat a room it makes the surface temperature of the floor more comfortable it might heat the room to a degree or two but mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not going to make a cold room warm I'm telling you right now it's not going to you know it'll make a cold floor Warmer, but it's not going to heat a room. And if your problem is temperature, so let me look around your house. let me let me check this out. And you know, went down to the basement and they've got normal fiberglass, you know, bad insulation around. They've got typical framing, leaking everywhere. They've got the old metal basement windows all along that wall. There was like five of them along oh, yeah. that wall right mm-hmm. under the kitchen. And I'm like, okay. I'm telling you right now, we can change the condition here, you know, and we just foam insulated all the band boards around the house and we replaced all of those windows and we put in good vinyl hoppers, you know, sealed well around them, trimmed the outside, made them airtight, good insulated windows, and they've never put in a new kitchen floor. There you go. It's just They're comfortable now.
3: I did the same thing, actually. I had Mosby put in some vinyl hopper windows in my basement because my basement was always cold and yeah. had the old aluminum uh, windows. And we put in some vinyl hoppers, and it worked great. Yeah, and, and a I'll great tell
2: you, you know, not everybody's a fan, but glass block on a basement window yeah. insulates well. Seals off. No one's breaking into this. I that's mean, if for they sure. Are it's like sledgehammer right. time. There's, I mean, you're,
3: there's probably better areas of the house to explore than the glass blocks. If you want to get in,
2: yeah, and, and maybe St. Louis City and stuff like that's a better spot for that. But it's a great way to insulate. You know, yeah. and all it is is again, it's like what we were talking about with insulation. Dead air in between two pieces of glass
1: mm-hmm. is just
2: a great insulator. It's amazing how well that works. Um, So, yeah, so there's, you know, other theories and things, you know, back into that build it tight, ventilate it right. So now we're inside the house. We've sealed it well. We've done all this stuff. It's airtight. It's it's watertight. You won't have issues. But now all of a sudden, now we have a new issue to think about. And that's just how healthy is that home? If you never open a door or a window... You, you you'll you never have fresh air right you know um so then all of a sudden when you really build it that well you need to start thinking about recovery air getting fresh air you know sealing the ductwork system so when we look at hvac sealing the duct systems is a great thing to do keep the air where it needs to go not leaking everywhere Um, Getting air recovery from outside air that actually conditions it, all of that, that can even help stop backdrafting from your exhaust vents and, you know, your water heater and things like that. Um, Going to higher efficiency water heater units, furnace units, and things like that can, can help solve that too and keep things separated. But you need that fresh air to survive you know so but then looking at the units for hvac you've got you know they used to be 80% effective efficient units right. literally it meant for every dollar you spend in your gas or electric bill you are throwing 20 cents out the roof mm-hmm. just out the window just gone just because of the unit itself so imagine changing that to 4 cents or 5 cents or you know it's just you're wasting a nickel now instead of it's Four times better. Right. You know, so getting those higher efficiency units, changing the air, stopping backdrafting and, you know, getting bad gases into your house and stuff is so important. Um, Geothermal units is like amazing, especially for new construction. It's so much easier to get installed during new construction than a retrofit. I've seen houses with geothermal heating and cooling, 4,000 square feet house. It costs them like four or 500 bucks a year. Wow. To heat and cool. That is crazy. A year. Like they're getting $40 electric bills. Yeah. Like unbelievable. I've seen, you know, where they've tested some of these houses and, you know, they've got like one little small leak here, one little thing here. And I saw one they, they tested with the blower door test and all this mm-hmm. stuff is perfectly sealed house. There was one spot on the whole house above the front door that showed a little temperature, you know, breaking through where, where something they just missed didn't insulate it as well as they should have. They got a little air draft there or whatever. And literally in the heart of Chicago, mm-hmm. it costs like $300 something a year to heat and cool this yeah. home. In Chicago, the Windy City, with it's so bitter cold oh, down yeah. there in the winter. It's like, it's totally crazy. That's so fantastic. It is amazing, you know, what you can get and what you can do. Um, but it's also learning and understanding some of these things. So, you know, geothermal heating, cooling is, is absolutely awesome. Um, when you look at water heaters, um, they have, you know, higher efficient models. Um you have on demand water heaters you know it's it's a great thing but you have to analyze your usage so on demand obviously is the most efficient and effective because it's only producing the heat while you are using it you put that in my house and I'm probably spending more money yeah My daughter's 18. I will probably never get her out of the shower. (laughs) So, so, you know, the 20-minute shower is going to turn to 35 if you never run out of hot water, right? So you got to kind of analyze. You know, so snowbirds that go to Florida for the winter here in St. Louis, right? on demand, perfect. You're not even using it part of the time. You're not, you know, it's going to work for a great retired couple. You get a family of six. And you might spend more because of on-demand, so you might be better off with just a higher efficiency tank, the Mm -hmm. quicker recovery, that sort of thing. Um, So there's so many different things to to understand. Attic ventilation, longer life expectancies on your roof because of ventilating properly. You know, Ridge vents are so important. Make that air move. Um, Baffles down low to, to get the air in, put it where you need it. Um, without, you know, great ventilation in your attic, your roof just kind of starts to go away. And talking about the roof, you've got felt paper we used to use. There was areas we didn't even use felt paper. Mm -hmm. If it was, you know, so steep. Now... You've got synthetic underlayment. You've got ice and water shield. You've got better ventilation, ridge vents. You've got even edge vents. You've got thicker shingles, longer warranties, longer lifespans. It's amazing, you know, what they do and how they do it and what we've really done to improve on how a home functions and breathes and survives and, you know, does everything very, very well. So again, I invite everyone out there here at Mosby Building Arts. We study these things. We understand these things. We practice these things, but every home and situation is different. You need to kind of learn your home and situation. So hopefully we can help that out for you. Again, feel free to give us a call 314-909-1800 or call mosby.com. You can find Everything you absolutely need. Had a great time with you today, Todd, explaining all of this. Hope it was helpful for everybody. And I will look forward to talking to everybody next week.
1: Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?